This is the Kingdom at Hand podcast, and I am Pastor Joe Faldet. All of our sermons are archived on our website, www.hosannafreelutheran.com. We also have started a YouTube channel, and that is Hosanna Free Lutheran. And you can check out the videos there. You can also come visit us in person. We have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings during the school year. We also have worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings during the summertime. May God bless you through this. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. That's found on page 1,245 in your Black Pew Bible. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. And I read in Jesus' name. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, to apply it, to understand it, Lord, we ask that you would bless us and that you would use it to sanctify us, Father, to make us more like Jesus that you may be glorified, Father, in us, that you may be revealed in all we do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as we start today, we need to look at the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I forgot my remote over here. So the audience here is children. Right? You know, how many of you have children? How many of you are children? Everybody really should be raising their hand because as Paul speaks here, he is speaking to everybody who is children. You know, there's this, there's this call to obedience that we all have. And Specifically though, and so generally speaking, he's speaking to everybody, but specifically speaking, he is speaking to the young people within the congregation. And they're within the, well, so it would be unmarried people continuing that are still living under the authority of their father and their mother. Because as Christians, we look back to the book of Genesis, and we just finished talking about this, that a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so once the marital relationship happens, once that marriage happens, and the husband and the wife come together and make a united family, then they become the center of their obedience to God, and their parents become peers to them. Believe it or not, parents, uh, and this is something I'm, part of me is really looking forward to, um, having my kids be peers and not being in charge of them anymore. But my parents, so I'll use myself and Kirsten as as an example. My parents don't have the right to order me around anymore because now 
I am the new patriarch of my family. This is our new family. It's Kirsten and I. Should I look to my parents for advice? Absolutely. They have a lot more experience staying alive than I do. You know, at very least they're older and they've seen more things. So, you know, I go to them for a lot more advice. A lot more reasons for that. Don't worry, Mom. Um, But nevertheless, I know she likes watching these. Um, Nevertheless, their authority, they are not my authority anymore. I am called now. As the husband in this family, I now have been risen. I have raised to that level. And I am called to be, this is our primary relationship. And so when it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It isn't speaking, it's speaking about those who aren't married, who are still under the authority of their parents. So it really is speaking to the young people. Children, obey your parents. So that's the focus of this lesson And one of the reasons I think that Paul focuses on this lesson, because if we learn obedience while we're young, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to learn obedience as you're old, as you become older. You know, as I've become older, I've had to start learning obedience because, well, okay, I'll I'll just be honest. I was always a good kid, but I was never a very obedient kid. What's the difference? What's the difference? I did what I knew would either get me accolades or keep me out of trouble. But that doesn't mean that I was obedient. Because those places then where I could get away with it, I wasn't always right, mind you. But those places where I could get away with being disobedient, I was. I always put myself as the ultimate authority. And I like being my own authority. I like being my own boss. Because I don't like people telling me what, maybe I would have made a good farmer. Um, (laughs) You guys are still under the authority of the weather, so you've got bigger bosses. Well, I do too, but uh, (laughs) nevertheless. That's how I approached obedience as a child. I would do those things which I knew would get me acclaim or would keep me out of trouble or that I could get away with. Is that obedience? No. That is surface level. That is people pleasing. And as a people pleaser, I like it when people are happy with me. Some of you are like that. Some of you aren't like that. And you tend to be called ornery or things like that. um, Or live in Godal. Or, you know. (laughs) Y'all know it's true. (laughs) Y'all. We should bring that up here. Uh, You betcha. They should have that down there. But obedience then, this lesson about obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This means, children, when your parents are watching and when they're not watching, you need to learn how to be living in obedience. You need to be learning how to submit yourself to someone else's authority. And this is something that we need to learn as children because this is... I don't really, honestly, I don't know anybody that doesn't exist under someone else's authority. We all do to some degree because we are all humans. And we as creatures are to be called to be submitting to the authority of God. And even as a citizen of the United States, I am called to be in submission to my local government. I'm called to be in submission to my state government, to my federal government. I'm called to be in submission to these people, not the UN. They're not my authority. Um, 
But I'm called to be in submission to these people. And so I live this way. And so children, while you're young, strive towards this. To learn how to be obedient in the Lord. And this is important. That last part is important because it's a declaration of faith. Children, be obedient to your parents in the Lord. This doesn't mean that the parents, be obedient to parents who are in the Lord. Because that would be easy, right? That would be like telling the wife, wife, be in, submissive, be in submission to the wise and ever right husband. Like, well, yeah, sure, no problem. Husbands, be loving always towards the lovable wife. It's like, yeah, no problem. Parents, or children, be obedient to your parents as long as they're right. No, that's not what this means. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children who are in the Lord, obey your parents and let that obedience be in the Lord. Be out of faith towards Him. Be trusting Him. And this is something that I can then bring into my life. Because as I come to understand what this in the Lord means, now I start to see obedience, not just as a submission of my will to someone else, but rather it's, a, it's an act of faith towards God. Okay, God, I am going to obey because I trust you to be in ultimate control. I trust you to be at work in the person who has authority over me. I trust you with the person who is responsible for me. I trust you with that person. And because I do, I'm going to live this out. It's easy to obey when we understand, right? Yeah. But that's not really obedience. That's just doing what you understand. Obedience, really, the test really comes when I don't understand why I don't feel like it. That's hard. That's the struggle. That's the place where I have to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with the command of my parents. I'm going to trust you with the wisdom of the person who's over me. I'm going to trust you with Congress. Because that's the same relationship. I'm going to trust you. They don't get to act as my parents, but I should be living in obedience towards them unless they're outside of the will of God. And people bring that up. Like, well, what about when parents tell kids to do something that goes against the will of God? Okay, first off, how often does that really happen? You know what? I lived under my parents' roof for... 18 years into summer. I can't think of any time, not even once, when mom and dad told me to do something directly that went against the will of God. That I could have said, mom and dad, I'm going to disobey you because this is what God says and here you're telling me to kill my brother. They never told me to do that. I, I felt like that at times. But they never told me to do that. You know, I, there was never, that never happened. Emily, how many times have your parents told you to do something that directly went against the will of God? You don't know. You can't count that high, right? No. Really, and that argument gets brought up, and it's like, all right, those times you have the right to disobey. Every other time, you don't have that right. You don't have that right. So when that argument comes, when that time comes, sure, go for it. But otherwise, you don't have that right. Okay, illustration. How many of you know someone who talks all the time 
You don't have to raise your hand because I know which hands are going to go up. <laughs> How much do you really listen to that person that talks all the time? Zero. I've seen some zeros, some heads wagging, never. How about the person who seldom talks and then they say something? Do you listen to that person? That person's, there's a reason why they're talking. You know, it's like when Tim talks. It's like, what's going on, man? See, he's not even responding to me. This isn't worthy of him communicating about. <laughs> Poor Tim. But when someone who seldom talks speaks, it's like, there's something going on here. So when the person who's always obedient disobeys, that's important. So like the wife who's always submissive then ceases to be submissive and says, no, I'm going to stand against you in this one. That should cause a husband pause. You know, because that's what Scripture teaches us. You know, be in obedience. Have this be your lifestyle. Let obedience be your default action. Because then when you don't, you're actually witnessing to something. When, God, when they're telling you to do something that goes against God's will instead of your feelings, that's when you stop and say, oh, I, was, I need to reconsider this because the obedient child now is being disobedient. The talker now is silent. That's usually a good sign that something's going on too. The non-talker speaks. So why do we default to obedience? Why do we obey our parents in the Lord? Trusting God that He's going to bring out good. So we obey their parents in almost everything. So that when that small time comes that we don't obey, they can see God is more important. This is where Christians come in when it comes to our government too. We should be living in a humble submission to our government except when they go against the will of God. At that time we say, no. God comes first. So our default position is supposed to be obedience to God. Out of faith in God. So that when we have to disobey, they can tell the difference. Children, sound good? Easy, right? Because there comes a promise with it. And so God gives a promise. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. How many of you, how should I put this? Well, okay. How many of you believe that God knows better than you do? Anybody here? Always, always. How many of you believe that God is good? Yeah, God is good all the time, right? All the time. And so when God tells us to do something or to not do something, why is he doing that? Because he's mean. No, if we take our faith, God is good. God is wise. God is loving. God knows more than I do. And then we apply that to the commandment of God and say, okay, why is God telling me not to steal from my neighbor? Like, oh, because he's mean. 
No. Why is God telling me not to envy? Because he's got my best in mind. Because God says, this is what's going to be best. I who am wise, I who understand everything, this is what's best. Do what's best. And so every commandment contains an implicit promise. A promise that exists underneath that commandment. That if I'm trusting God and so I'm living out the commandments because I trust that God is wiser than I do, than than I am. That God's ways are better than my ways. If I'm living out God's commandment, trusting Him, there's a promise there that things are going to ultimately work out better than if I just do it my own way. Because I've seen lots of people do it their own way and I've experienced and I've practiced doing it my own way. And you know how often that works? Sometimes I get lucky, but very seldom. When I stake my claim on my own will, it seldom ever works. And so God calls us to hear him and to obey him. But this commandment, this has an explicit promise. It's right there. It's outside. It's for everybody to see. The implicit promise exists underneath it. This will work out best for you in the end. You will learn obedience. You will be trained by this. This will be for your betterment. Even though you might not feel it right away, in the long run, it'll be better. Here, God says, here's your promise. There's other promises too, but this is one that I want you to see. That it may go long. Sorry. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So what, all right, I'm just going to use myself as an example because I know my own life best. With my tendency to be disobedient to my parents underneath, you know, my disobedient attitude towards my parents. With that attitude within me, what happened when I got into or got out of my parents' authority? So I was off to college, off doing my own thing. What do you think happened to that attitude? Did it just wither away? No, because that's not the way things work. I had practiced this and practiced hiding it. And so now, when I got to college, I started treating my teachers in a disobedient manner. Doing what I needed to, to get by. You wanted, Thankfully, Hosanna never asked for my transcripts. They're, I tell you what, they weren't as good as they could have been. Because I wasn't living in obedience to my teachers. Because I had already developed this attitude. And you know, that attitude affected my relationship with my teachers. It also affected my relationship with my friends. And it it affected my relationship with a couple of my bosses. Until I started to realize that this isn't the right attitude to have. Obedience is the proper attitude to have. Not disobedience. That shouldn't be my default. I shouldn't come into a situation thinking I'm going to disobey them until they can prove to me that I need to obey them. Because that was my default attitude. I can't blame my parents for that. That was on me. Like That was something that I cultivated within myself. Intentionally? Well, probably not. Unintentionally? Yeah. By living in disobedience. I cultivated the attitude. And so as I did that, That has shut doors for me. I didn't get opportunities that I could have otherwise gotten. I'll be honest. You know, and I'm not talking about my call here. This is by the grace of God, and again, by the grace of God that you guys still put up with me. Um, 
but opportunities that I would have had with some of my jobs. Because I had a, a good job and potential for continuation, but they saw my attitude and they said, we're not, we're not promoting him. We're not keeping him on. We're not going to hire him back. Why? Actually, there was one time when I almost got fired from a volunteer position. Does that work? Because of this attitude that was in me. Did it go well with me? Did things progress properly? No. And so there's a personal reality here. Had I learned obedience as a child, real faithful obedience as a child, doors would have opened for me in the future. Now as I'm learning that, doors are opening, which is interesting. That You know, like even this YouTube thing and podcast thing and all that, it comes out of just humbly trying to, well, maybe not humbly, I'm not going to claim humility. It is my best trade after all. But (laughs) doors open up as we learn to humble ourselves and be obedient to the people who are in authority over us. Things go well for us. What would happen to a culture that was like that? Because what's a culture? A culture is a congregation of a whole bunch of people. And so if America learned to be obedient to their parents, what would become of American culture? Would it become worse or would it become better? Oh, think how much better. Think how much better it would be. Think that we wouldn't have to be afraid for our police officers. You know, you think about that. That's just one aspect. If the people of America learned to become obedient to the authority that's above them, police officers wouldn't have to worry about being shot. We wouldn't have any of this discussion about gun control because it wouldn't matter. Guns would only be used for their intended purposes. We wouldn't have to have jails. They would all be gone. The prison guards would all be out of jobs. You know, think of the good that would sprout from children. Learn to be obedient to your parents. Be obedient to your parents. Think of the blessing that would come into that culture if we just figured out this one aspect. Just one It's just amazing to consider and contemplate. This is that fractal design. It keeps growing and growing. It spreads out and out. and It it ripples as it goes. Marriages. We wouldn't have divorces. They wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have bad dating relationships. Those things wouldn't exist because kids would listen to their parents, the parents who have experienced more life than they have and are looking at the dating relationship from the outside instead of the inside. You know, think of all the good. And so when God says this, he says it to the individual, then he also says it to the culture. And so where does this start? This starts with me. This starts in Joe Faldat. This starts in Toby Hagen. This starts in Randy Swanson. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter. This starts with us. Here. Now. That I would begin to cultivate this default of obedience instead of this default of disobedience. You know what? I'm going to get my way even if it hurts me. No! That's a terrible attitude to have. And I strive to default towards obedience because I want, I want this to affect my life personally better. And I want my witness to affect my whole culture better. That this would spread out and go forth into all of this world. 
So children, this is your calling. This is your calling. Here is an attitude to cultivate, to develop. When that disobedient attitude comes out, you pull that. It's a weed. It's from Satan. It's from your flesh. It's from the world. Don't listen to it. Be in humble obedience. Trusting the Lord. Not out of fear of your parents, but out of faith in God. Parents. Fathers. Why does God start, start with fathers? You ever, ever wondered that? Why does he say fathers? A lot of them, even the ESV here, it says children and parents. But Paul doesn't say parents. Paul says fathers. Why? Because fathers, you are responsible. If you are the head of the household, who is responsible? The one who's the head of the household. Even if they're not to blame, they're still responsible. Well, my wife, you know, she was the one swearing in front of my kids. Right, Bruce? (laughs) Can't even imagine it. No! Because fathers are the ones that are called to be responsible. I'm responsible for the training of my children. Kirsten does the lion's share, but I'm still the one that's responsible. That's my calling. That's my place. That's my position. That's why Paul says, fathers, have you ever used the wrong tool to get something done? So when Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children, why is he telling us that? If you tried to use a hammer in order to tighten this bolt in a proper manner, you would soon become frustrated because it wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. Who is responsible to make sure that the discipline and instruction towards the children works? The child or the parent or the father? Because I was disciplined in one way. And you know what? That's worked really well for Anton so far. But when we tried, when I tried to use those same tactics on Rachel, not so much. Why? Because she was different than me. Just like this bolt is different than a nail. You know, a wrench can be used to drive in a nail. It's been done. But a hammer works way better. You don't hit your thumbnail nearly as often with a hammer as you do with a wrench. It just doesn't happen. The wrench isn't made for that. It's not, wrench isn't made for a nail. And a hammer isn't made for a bolt. So what are we, what's Paul telling us here? Fathers, do not provoke your children. Whose responsibility is it to be the creative one in the, in the relationship? The child or the parent? The child will meld to the parent. It's like, no, the child is going to become frustrated because they're not going to understand what's going on. They're children. Parents, treat children like children. Be the adult. You be the flexible one. That's what Paul's telling us here. Do not provoke your children. This doesn't mean don't make them mad because you know what? Sometimes children get mad at parents. My children don't like the taste of vinegar. But if they lie or they say words they're not supposed to, they get vinegar. Do they like that? Do they enjoy that? Are they happy with daddy because that happens? I have been called mean. 
Believe it or not, I know, I'm pretty likable. But <laughs> it works. It's effective. It's changed their behaviors. And they're not just frustrated, exasperated. Another word that you could use to translate this word anger is exasperated. Parents don't exasperate your children. Like, don't, stop trying to fit that square peg in the wrong round hole. It doesn't work. Change your tactics. Be the creative one. You're the parent. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Use methods to discipline and train them in the Lord that work. If you're like, I don't know that yet, then pray. God does. What does God promise us in James? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it shall be given to him. This isn't a might be. That's a shall be. That's a promise. And that stands there. What are we supposed to train our children in? What's our goal for our children? Overarching. Overall. You know, I teach Anton how to tie knots, but that, that's underneath this. My overarching goal for Anton and Rachel and Soren and every child that I interact with. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is the discipline of the Lord? Right? I got those backwards on my slide. Huh? How about that? The discipline of the Lord is self-control. Because we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of self-control. Does God dictate and compress us to make sure that we're only going in the direction that he wants us to? No. How do we know that? Adam fell. Adam fell. We know that that wasn't according to God's will. Did God use it? Did God bring good out of it? Absolutely. But Adam fell. So does God force us to do that which we don't want to do? No. He gives us will in this whole matter. I'm not going to say free will because there's all sorts of variables tied to that. But he gives us will in this matter. He gives us will in our lives. And so what are we to be teaching our parents or our children? Parents, what are we to teach our children? How to control themselves. We're to be constantly working ourselves out of a job. I want my children to control themselves so much that I don't have to discipline them ever. That's my goal. That's the discipline of the Lord. It's not that we knock them upside the head every time they say something we don't like. It's not that we break their will. It's not that we get them so that, they don't, that they're constantly afraid to do anything because they might do something wrong. No, it's that they control themselves. That's the goal. Parents, that's the discipline of the Lord. That's self-discipline. That's the discipline the Lord wants of us. As parents, that's the discipline He wants of me. He wants me to be self-disciplined, not church-disciplined, not government-disciplined. What happens when the government has to discipline someone? They find them or they put them in jail. Those are kind of your two options. Or they take away your rights, like the right to drive and things like that. So that's what happens when the government disciplines someone. What if all criminals were self-disciplined and didn't break the law? They wouldn't have to be disciplined by the government. They wouldn't be criminals anymore. Think about that. 
So that's our ultimate goal, is to teach our children self-discipline, to control themselves. And to control themselves to a specific end. What's that end? Righteousness. That they would walk and live in righteousness. That's the instruction of the Lord. And that's, you know, that's what, that they would live holy and righteous lives, spotless and blameless before the Lord. That's the goal. Our goal isn't, uh, I think it was Mark that was telling the story about the kid who ran over, who accidentally cultivated up a bunch of corn. And the neighbor said, well, if that was my kid, he'd really get it. And then the, the father said, we're here raising children, not raising corn. That's just a great story. I'm glad you told me that. Because what's the goal? What's all of this that we have as parents for? For the sake of the next generation. That they might grow in the discipline and righteousness of the Lord. What good would it do me to become rich and not train my children in righteousness? Would that be good for them? What if I didn't teach them how to be self-disciplined? And I had $2 million. And then I gave it to them when I died. What would happen to them? What would happen to them as a family? I know. I've seen it. Parents who give themselves to riches. And then when they die, their children give themselves to squabbling. Sad. This is our end. This is my call as a father. My call as a husband is to husband my wife. My call as a father is to parent my children. Those are above my job as pastor. Fathers, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And if you failed in this, live out the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Confess it to them. Repent. Apologize. Make it right. And then start doing right. Children, if you haven't been in obedience to your parents, trust God. Confess to your parents. Repent. Make it right. Start doing right. Easy peasy, right? May we live it out. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. And we can trust you. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, your wisdom. Lord, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you give us these commands for our benefit. Lord, that we might know how to properly interact with the people of our lives. That I might know how to interact with my parents and the people who are in authority over me. And that I might know how to interact with my children. Lord, that you might be glorified in their lives and that what might be best for them will happen too. Lord, we thank you. Guide us that we might live these things out out of our love for you and out of our faith in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.